0: You're listening to a podcast by BI Norwegian Business School. Welcome to this podcast um, about leadership, sustainability and change. Um, I'm very happy to have Professor Robin Teiglund here in the studio. Um, and you have been working with doing research on innovation, um, business strategy and um, also sustainability issues. And I'm very happy that to have you here with your competence and would very much like to ask you how come that you became interested in this? What actually fueled your motivation to, to link these themes together?
1: Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here, and I think that's a great question uh, to get started with. I mean, it depends on how far back one wants to go. But in my family, we've always been interested in issues of sustainability. Uh, way back when, I remember being a child and my grandmother telling me about the environment and so on. So it's always been kind of part of my, I guess, yeah, upbringing. Uh, but then when I did my PhD uh, studies in, in Stockholm, as you mentioned, at in in Stockholm, The focus was very much on informal networks and how technology influenced these informal networks and how we create value through them. And when I was in Stockholm, I was doing a lot of work with virtual worlds, uh, the gaming industry, fintech and so on. But I felt like I wasn't really having that much of an impact on a lot of the sustainability issues that were beginning to really come to the scene a few years back. And so in connection with my move to Chalmers about five years ago... I also was in Portugal, uh, surfing for the sun. And uh, my oldest son and I were, yeah, there enjoying the sun. And so I we thought, well, let's learn more about Portugal and, and what's going on here. And through these initiatives or through this activity, I one night I walked into a motorcycle club. I have to tell this little story because it's really how it got me moving, I should say. And, and This motorcycle club in Panish, it was, you know, late at night and kind of wondering who was in there and who was in there was all the local fishermen, the small, medium sized fishermen of Panish. And they were telling me the stories of how Panish and other coastal communities have gone from being extremely wealthy communities to very poor communities. In fact, Panish went from being one of the richest cities and regions in Europe to being one of the seven poorest regions Uh, in all of Europe within the span of just a couple decades, two, three decades. And this really sparked my curiosity in trying to understand why we talk about digitalization, automation, all these wonderful technologies. But then when you see how these large firms can take advantage of these, you also learn about how small, medium sized um, such these fishermen really cannot keep up, cannot keep pace and are being driven out of business. And so, Through them, I learned more and more about the ocean, more about coastal communities and saw that there's so much effort and and activities going into smart cities and large organizations that we also need to really start thinking about the small medium and the coastal communities and clearly about the ocean. So it was was about four and a half years ago with an experience in a motorcycle club that, that really kind of opened up my eyes to a lot of issues that I was unaware of.
0: Yeah, so then you saw a possibility that you actually not only make a change and have contact and know more about uh, uh, those kind of local fisherman communities, but you actually uh, initiated uh, a business and uh, Mm -hmm. transforming plastic found in the ocean to surfboards, furniture, and other things. And I I think it's very inspiring uh, to me. (laughs) You You actually started up um, a business, and now you have a, a... provided new job opportunities for the unemployed fishermen and also a future, not least a future for local communities like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And most researchers like you and I, we prefer to sit behind our desks. That's what we (laughs) love the most. And I I know that you love that even now because you have published a lot. But, you know, I would just... Ask you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what was the driving force into going into this entrepreneurship, starting your own business? Mm-hmm. You could have made someone else go in there and start it,
1: right? I, I could have done that, but um, I think there's so many challenging issues out there. And one thing is to sit behind a desk and research other people doing this, but there's a very long lag time, as we know, very long lead time from an idea to actually having it published and having some type of impact and i also felt that there's i saw a lot of change occurring and with digitalization with circular economy with the ocean and i thought well let's let to really immerse oneself in this is really the ability to then see what what is what is driving this what are the success factors how can we make a difference so for me personally in order to to actually Take on and, and conduct research, I felt like I needed to be in there in the midst of it and doing this myself to really understand the issues. So it's very phenomenon driven uh, research. It's very engaged scholarship where, mm. you know, we're trying to lead, a, drive a change. So it was really about getting in there getting my hands dirty Mm. (laughs) starting companies in in Portugal and Sweden uh, where we're developing a blue circular economy model to really understand what are the challenges and they're huge (laughs) sustainable entrepreneurs have many challenges
0: (laughs) yes tell me some uh, tell something about that what challenges are there
1: Well, I mean, there's actually quite a few. In fact, we're writing a paper. I have a PhD student from Ghana uh, and together with a professor at uh, Fu University in in Holland, we're actually looking at this where she is researching this case that we have developed. And if you think about traditional uh, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, they have this nice like venture capitalists and banks and so on. And uh, right now it's a lot about scaling and so on. But if we think about this, where we're not only trying to change our norms around business models, so trying to create circular business models that that doesn't really fit into our traditional ways of thinking about a business. So it's a little bit difficult for traditional uh, funders to understand the model that we're developing. Uh, You know, it takes time, especially Mm. if you're in working with materials and additive manufacturing, that it it takes time to actually see returns on your efforts. It's not like just creating an app and and scaling. Mm. Uh, so I think that's one challenge. Is it's difficult to access, you know, convent- conventional um, forms of finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the whole impact if we think about. We have to actually in our in our what we're doing is developing new materials based on uh, PA six or nylon fishing nets, which is an cr- incredible challenge just by itself. And then we also want to use large scale additive manufacturing, so industrial robot uh enabled additive manufacturing these technologies and these materials are still under development so we also need to push the you know drive forward mm. research in these areas so this is also something that's it's you know we're we're challenging the status quo mm. around how we think about supply chains and technologies and so on it's called you know you have to th- escape the green prison as as some researchers have called it so i think there is a yeah what this, is that the what? green escape uh, to escape uh, the green prison article written by Pacheco in 2010 and it's really about how for example we have to you know building a new supply chain redesigning the from a linear to a circular uh, mm. economic system it's 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 challenging and so we we sit in this kind of you know prison in the sense this is where we know where we want to go but there the, we have to ch- challenge the boundaries uh, outside of of traditional ways of thinking around business,
0: yes, and that's why I think that what you have done is very interesting and very inspiring for uh, other people because we need actually updated uh, technology or uh, research on technology uh, organizing and all and strategy development, uh, but it takes too long long time to go from you know the research. I mean, the researchers have problems getting in touch with people entrepreneurs like what you are doing now mm-hmm. and uh, so it's like the time lag and we don't have time to lose now that's why i like this model but i would also like to ask you how is it to be you know a researcher and a, a theoretical person like i am and actually doing entrepreneurship and what do you see what kind of uh, um, abilities or uh, you know uh, competence and and resources do you have to g- actually give an entrepreneurship like that and res- and vice versa
1: yeah mm. no i think it's uh it's fantastic to be able to you know build a bridge between theory and practice and this mm. is something that i've always tried to do in my teaching and you know in my research, in the sense that I have worked a lot prior to, to conducting my PhD and, and being a researcher, but now really trying to build that bridge because it was, I can't remember who said that there's nothing so practical as a good theory. Mm. And I think that it's so true that we can take, you know, theories, frameworks, concepts and apply them. And that enables us to structure complex problems. Uh, and think through them and and work towards solving them in an easier fashion. It also enables me to, aha, okay, I understand this, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, now because, you know, research has shown this. And so I I can bring in different ideas from research into practice, um, which I think yeah, it's 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 both frustrating and and helpful because mm. I can see things, but then other people don't see that. And it's then it requires me to explain that uh to others within the team because we are, when you're doing such a project, you build so many different types of relationships, very mm. diverse networks, in order to create a, a circular material supply flow and and the whole technology side mm. of things too. You really are building bridges and working with a diverse set of people, uh, which also requires a lot of this, you know, understanding from theory as well that you can bring in how mm. to work with in diverse networks. And if you think about building collective mm. competence, for example, and so on. So anyway, yeah, I can stop but there. Is, but you
0: dis- define this as an, a project because you, you, it's a, is it a firm with the shareholders or how is it?
1: Well, I would define it as an initiative, Um, an initiative in the sense projects have a start and a finish. This is an initiative. We want to initiate a change. Mm. Uh, We want to drive a change. Um, So I don't see this as having a concrete, okay, finish. So this initiative, it started um, as Panish Ocean Watch, very much inspired by Nordic Ocean Watch, which comes from Norway. Yes. Uh, So I think it's, yeah, we've gotten a lot of, you know, inspiration from Nordic Ocean Watch and asked if we could use the name and and Mm. kind of the idea of working with ocean plastic uh, in Portugal and then started Panish Ocean Watch. So there it started as an initiative, but in order to drive change, we saw that we needed to create a company ourselves if we wanted to have the ability to apply for funding. So we created a company called Ocean Tech Cup in Portugal mm. for mm. all the challenges that that brings as well. Mm. You know, I studied in the department or Institute of International Business, uh, multinational firms, mm. and looking at the challenges of you know de- developing a a company in another country, and you have you know cross cultural management mm. and so on. So it's been that's been very exciting, but then also seeing that. Um, to create this blue circular model that we have, also seeing that, well, there Portugal wasn't ready, so quite, for, and didn't have all the technologies and competence. So therefore we've started something in Sweden too. Uh, so we started a firm in Sweden called Ekbakken Studios, which is using our recycled f- fishing nets and, and um, 3D printing, uh, you know, high design okay. pieces of furniture, uh, which were recently, yeah, we say shown in vogue and pointed out as being one of the top interior design trends to follow in 2023. So I think it's mm-hmm. super exciting to see that, you know, an idea, an initiative can lead to companies, but also an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what we are trying to, to drive through is not necessarily that we will be running all this. I think it's more about inspiring mm-hmm. others to move forward, take on the baton and find mm-hmm. new opportunities. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, this, and is, this, interesting, this is interesting this is
0: interesting because this is about thinking in a network way like the network yes. organization that you have done research on and I know and and mm-hmm. uh, and this bottom up uh, innovation all the time. Yes. So it's yes. a very exciting way of working, but of course it's, the, it's uh, demanding too. <laughs> I can Full hear way. that <laughs> and very you know it demands a lot of time also. Um, but you also and money yes, not least you know. <laughs> <laughs> um but but that's why it's very good to hear your story because <clears throat> this podcast can spread you know mm. around ra- and actually get mm. interest among uh, finance people too. Uh but you also I want to go into this um the whole thing about digitalization and uh what potentials there are in new technology like, you know, artificial right. intelligence, robot technology, everything you work with, what potentials are there specifically linked to a more sustainable future?
1: Mm. Well, I think there's so many opportunities. and uh, That's the uh, challenging thing. It's like there's so many opportunities and where to start. Um, mm. And I think it's when I talk about digital technologies, I think most people think of like AI or maybe robots, they think of, you know, big data. And I think there's there's so much more. There's also, if I think about what we're doing, the whole aspect of additive manufacturing or digital fabrication. I think that's where we're, we really need to, I think, focus a lot more in terms of trying to understand how we can rethink our linear models to circular mm-hmm. models. I think there's a lot of um, efforts out there in terms of you know, car sharing, for example, or how can we use resources more efficiently, or how can we optimize an an existing system in logistics and so on. Um, But I think if we're going to really take on the challenges, we need to think about how can we potentially even, you know, we we really need to get to the circular material aspect and how can we facilitate this collection, Mm -hmm. but also even starting at the very beginning, the whole aspect of design. Mm. How can we design for this circular economy model? So anything Mm. that we're designing, any product or service, Right there and then thinking about, okay, whatever goes into this, how can we ensure that we can trace it, that Mm. we can bring it back, that we can recycle this material? And today, I think we don't quite have enough focus on that. It's still, you still see the numbers increasing, for example, in virgin plastics being used in manufacturing and all types of materials. Think about uh, the electrification uh, trend that we're on now. We have to rethink, well, where are all these materials coming from? Mm. Well, many of them are being, you know, mined out of the ground. So I'd like to see how we can use these technologies to enable us to, you know, really push towards the recycling and the circular economy models mm. uh, much more than we are doing today.
0: But I see, <clears throat> since I haven't been working so many years as you on you know, devoting myself to a better world or sustainability. I've always worked to actually create a better world, I have to say. Yeah. That's why I worked with art and culture. But I, last, now that I've devoted myself to this, I see that there is a really, a really big potential when it comes to uh, motivation. I mean, I get, much more motivated now in my work. And also I see this as a really creative force. Now mm-hmm. I have to push my way of thinking. It's not about just adapting to what's out there. Now it's about changing what's out there. And how do you see this? You know, you have you are working now with many different, uh, both you know, all, I mean, all kinds of people, uh, experts. How do you see that this actually fuels them. And how how can we actually, since I'm teaching leadership, you know, how can we build this in in our sort of leadership?
1: Yes. yes. Well, what we've actually been working on since the very beginning, we we created an organizing vision uh, together at the very beginning of this initiative in 2018 with the idea of creating this blue circular economy model that was enabled through digitalization. So we've had this, you know, it's a concept from information systems. This vision is kind of in a star guiding, Uh you know, bringing people together around this. So this is, we could always go back to this model and say, this is our goal. This is where we'd like to go. Mm. Uh, You know, where would you like to help out? What are you interested Mm. in? Um, So I think it's about showing the potential. What can we do? Um, What is possible and then enabling people to see, well, where could I fit in, Mm. Um, because so many people really want to help they want to make a difference, but they don't really know how to start or where to start and I think that's the beauty of having a bottom up initiative because then you can just kind of lay it on a plate and say, here you are, Mm. what would you like to do, Mm. Um, because in this type of driving a change you can, you this it's nothing about authority it's no. not a top down approach where you can say okay go do this mm. it's how can we really empower and there it comes from creating awareness so i think before you know you get people's kind of you know harder passion you know, have to create this awareness around such issues mm. i mean i had no idea for example fishing gear what percentage of fishing gear today is recycled
0: in no, the world i don't know i
1: One and a half percent.
0: Not more.
1: No. Well, think about on average on the global average, how much is plastic recycled globally? It's around nine percent.
0: Only nine percent, and we've thirty-two. So we are
1: we have extremely low numbers of recycling. And also, if you think about the amount of plastic in the ocean, we see these great global garbage patches and so on. This is only one to 2% of all Mm. the waste that's in the ocean. Mm. So one thing one has to really work with, it's no wonder the UN is, is you know, really striving for, say, ocean literacy. Mm. We don't, you have to create this awareness. I find Mm. I do a lot of, you know, quizzes and so on and and question when I'm Mm. out lecturing and and public speaking around these questions. And I find that we don't have a good level of awareness. Related to these issues, so it's a lot of the focus goes into creating that awareness, and then Mm. saying, "Well, here is a project or initiative that we're working on. Mm. Is there some place that you'd like to help out?"
0: Well, doesn't, but it does mean that people—I mean, both young students here uh, at the business schools, uh, but also that young employees, but also older employees in companies or public organizations that actually need a new insight and also knowledge information about things yes how you, well, how can you we implement this knowledge about uh, the um, actually the state of the globe <laughs> I mean either it comes to uh, the ocean or uh, wood I mean uh, Amazonian uh, wood yes. you know that is shrimping and co2 well how do you think we can actually integrate this? scientific knowledge, because we would say before it's been like, okay, we are in a business school, we do business. Now you are in a technology university, you work with technology, you know, how can we sort of integrate? (laughs) That's something I've been struggling with myself, thinking about it.
1: No, we, I think we really do need to integrate. And actually that's why I, you know, being at the technology and engineering university, I bring in the business skills here. And I think business schools need to work more with, say, engineering universities to create mm. that understanding as well. But I uh, here if we if we think about in terms of creating awareness in all organizations, you have people who burn for El kuel. I'm not sure how you mm. say that in Norwegian no. or in English, but you have I'll someone who has a burn in, Yeah. I'm sorry, what
0: did you call it?
1: So you have these in in organizations that do burn for things. And it's about organizations giving the space to these people to create awareness in their organization as well, enabling them to bring their knowledge forward. And I think that's where, you know, it, it also is with technology. I mean, also these bottom up where I asked organizations, a lot of like managers and so on. So how many of you are are working or with, you know, or have bought, say, an NFT or a cryptocurrency just to understand their kind of level of awareness? And, you know, you just need to test and try things out. and. In organizations, you have people who, who burn for technology or burn for the environment. And so mm-hmm. how do you give them the space to create awareness within their organization? That's a great way of, you know, also integrating within the organization and not just say, well, Go and talk about it, Mm. but think about, put it in the perspective of innovation. What could our organization do Mm. in order to, you know, if we know that this is the state, well, how could we think about innovation related to this to Mm. create a better service or product for our customers? Because if we look at just in supply chains and sustainability, I mean, by enabling more circular supply chains, you reduce costs, you reduce Mm. waste. So it's um, I'll stop there. It's
0: a cost um uh, yes, efficiency <laughs> um that, to sum it up, you know, um, I just because we have been talking about is that the people and leadership issues are very important now organized it's not only about knowledge and technology and business models, but it's also about make the change happen. If you were going to give some advices, you know, sum up your theories, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it's quite hard to compress it, but if you, are ma- where would you start, you know, I and mean, I'm talking now about managers on all level in mm. public and private organizations. Mm. Where?
1: Well, I, I've been kind of working on my own little model uh, mm-hmm. for this, which has four components. Uh, the first one is very much around visioning, not uh, scenario thinking or scenario planning or vision, but it's about visioning. So what what mm. could, it is a little bit scenario thinking, but it's about what what could the vision, what could the future hold, mm. both in terms of, you know, bad cases, bad futures and good futures. And how do different technologies influence this? How do the other pastel mm. forces influence the future? So where where are we potentially going? And this has actually enabled us to come up with our our blue circular economy model, thinking how could we potentially integrate digital technologies to facilitate this Mm -hmm. this model that we wanted, that we started with. The second one is very much around networking, because we know we cannot take on these challenges by ourselves. So we need to be very networked for purpose, on purpose, so Mm -hmm. reaching out to people uh, like you're doing with this podcast, creating those bridges or building those bridges before you need them. But also being very open for that serendipitous meeting. For example, when I went into the motorcycle club in Paniche and met this mm. fisherman, uh, which opened up my eyes. So being flexible and seeing, well, there's different routes that we could take. Mm. Uh, but then it's also about when you're building these networks, the third component is very much around building collective competence. Really understanding, creating a shared understanding of core concepts, core ideas, our Mm -hmm. vision. Just one word can throw everyone off. For example, data. You have one view of that. I have another view Mm -hmm. of that. Somebody else has another view. Or technology. What does that mean? So I Mm -hmm. think it's about... Really questioning what mm-hmm. your jar are, what do we mean mm-hmm. by this, and build that collective confidence. Uh, and then the fourth bubble is very much around experimenting and co-creating, really mm-hmm. developing these ideas together in your network and not be afraid to fail, you know, just go for it, just mm-hmm. jump in and try. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just see what happens, but do it together with others and experiment, and then then you can just keep on going because mm. aha, well this might change my our mm. visioning process, and we might see a different future now, and and so on. Mm. So those are the four: visioning, a networking for purpose and serendipity, building collective competence, and then experimenting and co-creating. So
0: yeah, thank you. I think that was a very good ending on a very thoughtful and you know really dense. Uh, talk <laughs> between <laughs> us so thank you so much and uh, and good luck
1: thank you for being for having me here it's great
0: this is a BI production listen to more podcasts go to bi.no slash podcasts